Another elevated message. Here's Senior Pastor Sergio Lamone. This year has to be a year where we get our mindset. The greater the task ahead of you, or the greater things you you desire, uh, it, it's not going to happen in your life until you can get your mindset right. Any place you want your body to go, your head's got to get there first. You want your body to live in a mansion? Come on, somebody. You want your body to start a business? You want, you know, you want to do some great things? Your head's got to get there first. My head has been coming to church every Sunday at a building that says Elevate Life Church on it. Now, my body's not in it yet, but my head's already there. I'm there. I see it. I, I, know what the, I know what the walls look like. I know what the stage looks like. I, I see it already. And see, you've got to get your mindset in those places. But see, the problem with that with most people is we can't get past our past. That was one of the things I got hit with this week was my past came yelling at me. It came right up into my face to try to, to, try to remind me what I was and where I've come from. How many have ever had that before? That's a demon and his jersey says passed on the back. Come on. And he's a, he comes to assign us and keep us from thinking and believing big. And anytime we start going, oh, this is what my life is going to be like. The past will come and remind us. No, no, no. You're not going there. This is who you are. You're not a new creation. You're the old creation. Don't you remember what you used to do? Don't you remember what was done to you? Don't you know where you come from? And that voice can lock you in to a place of thinking called limitation. Now, God never designed us to live with limits. Oh, you need to write that down. God never designed us to to live with limits. Think of Adam and Eve. The Bible says they had dominion over the entire world, the entire planet, the birds, the, uh, the, the, the beasts of the field. And there are so many arguments that have taken place uh, with theologians throughout the years about what that word dominion means. See, people, many people believe that even Adam had the ability to fly. How else could he have dominion over birds? Some uh, theologians believe that Adam had the ability to, to live underwater even. To go under the water and be with the fish and breathe underwater. Because how else could you have dominion over the fish of the sea lest you be among them? Now, I'm not saying that's the case. We have no scripture to back that up. But it caused one of those things, as Arsenio used to say, that can make you go, hmm. I got some 90s babies in the house there. All right. It's, it's one of those things that, that makes you think. And when you think about those things, you understand that Adam and Eve have no limits. No limits to the place where they walked with God. No limits to the place to where when Adam spoke something, it was. The Bible says he named all the animals on the earth. And whatever he called it, that is what it was. That's, that's living without limits. 
But when Jesus dies on the cross, he comes back into the earth realm and he begins to take back that same divine nature and he begins to use it as well. He tapped in to our original intent on the earth. And nobody had ever seen anything like it. So what does Jesus begin to do after he begins his ministry? He walks the earth speaking to things. He walks the earth and he calls things forth and they come forth. He raises the dead by saying, Lazarus, come forth. The Bible says when in the midst of the storm that the ship is going to sink, Jesus gets out and he speaks to the storm and the storm stops. See, now we're seeing Jesus tapping into that original intent where he has authority over the weather. He has authority over demons. The Bible said he would cast out demons and the people marveled that these demons obey the voice of Jesus. Because what was Jesus doing? He was taking the limits off. He was tapping in to that original DNA that God had put in man and woman in the Garden of Eden. And as he walked the earth, he would speak and it would be so. He, the Bible says he walked past a fig tree, didn't have no fruit. I love that about Jesus. He got hangry one day. Come on. They're walking through the, the land and he wants some figs. He looks at a fig tree. There's no fruit on it. What does he do? I curse you. You're, you got no fruit now. You ain't never going to have fruit. Curses the thing. They walk by it the next day. That thing shriveled up and died. And, and, and the disciples marveled and they said, what manner of man is this that he speaks to things and whatever he speaks to obeys him? See, he tapped into the limitlessness of God. Then Jesus dies on the cross. He hangs on the cross. He gives his life. He sheds his precious blood. He goes to the right hand of the father. He defeats death, hell and the grave. And, 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 and what he does is he buys back, he purchases back the authority that Satan had stolen from man. He purchases it back, and the Bible says he gives it to the church. He gives it to you and me. He gives it to every born-again believer. Here it is, that will believe. There's one prerequisite to understanding and living a life without limits. And that is this, you got to believe. Because there's somebody here going, oh, I don't believe that. And you'll never see it. Well, I don't believe all this Bible stuff. Too bad for you. Well, I just don't believe that. See, that is a death sentence. When you refuse to believe what God's word says, you lock yourself in, here it is, to limitation. And many of us come from that world, that land of limitation. We were born into it, amen? Every single one of us, myself included. We've all been born into a world that's limited. Some of us were limited by the economy, the place we grew up in. Some of us have been limited by our, our background by our choices, by the, the, the consequences that have happened to us. And that's a real, real thing. 
Limits in the natural realm are very real. In my travels to almost 40 different countries, I've been to some countries where the only difference between them and you is a system. That's the only difference. The system. The system keeps some people from receiving a good education. That's a real thing. It's a limitation. And there are some people in third world countries, oh, don't get mad at me now, but they're smarter than you. But they'll never make the money you make because you have the opportunity of being born in a system in America that allows some of those limits to come off of you. Can I get an amen? Now, I know there's a lot of America hate speech right now, but you know what? For every person that hates America, there's somebody trying to die to get here. Don't make no sense to complain. Don't make no sense to complain. Remember, complaining is the language of slaves. We got more people complaining on Facebook. I wish they'd take it to prayer because that's what I do. You ain't never going to see me complain about something that's going on in this world. And there's a lot to complain about. Pat, the, 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 the president talking crazy, talking like he was raised in South Sac. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Saying craziness about other countries and stuff. But I'm not going to go to Facebook and blab about that. That's what losers do. That's what slaves do. You know what I'm going to do? Take it to my prayer room. Say, Father, Lord, you need to speak to this man right here for using this kind of language out there, for speaking racist things, for doing. Are you tracking with me today? That is the kingdom response to things. That is the kingdom way we've got to understand. But as I was saying, limits, limitation is real. And that is why Jesus died on the cross, took back the keys, and then he he comes back to the earth and he says, I give the keys to you. The keys are yours. I'm like, let me take you through the scriptures as we build a a mindset, a new way of thinking, so that you can possess the life that you want to have. Can I get an amen on that? See, some of you are more excited than others because some of you actually want to build a life. Others of you are waiting for somebody to give you a life. Ain't nobody going to give you a life. You Give up trying to hit the lotto. Put that money in the, in the offering bucket. Amen. Get God on your side. You ain't going to strike the lotto. You ain't struck it yet. Oh, but pastor, that one time I won 20 bucks. Big whoop. <laughs> pastor, that one time there was a... Listen, you've got to get your mindset wrapped around the right things. And, 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 and see, I can always notice who in the room has something at stake. The people in sales, when they hear a word like this, they're sitting, yeah, come on, tell me how I can do more. Tell me how I can get to where I need to go. People with goals are taking notes. Ooh, what did he say? Ooh, I need that because Tuesday's going to come around and I'm going to be discouraged and I might not get a sale and I need encouragement. Are you tracking with me? But then Slow Mo Joe or whatever his name is, who's only interested in the playoffs today. Come on, that's his whole world. That's his whole world. He just worried about clocking in and clocking out. And I live living for the weekend. Come on, Debbie Deb. Look out weekend. Here I come. Friday rolls around, and that's the highlight of their, of their life. It's the weekend. Yay. Come on now. Set a goal. Buy a house this year. Make some more money this year. 
Do something great for your kids this year. Take a trip this year. But see, all those things are goals. Those are all things that you're, it's going to take some work to get to. And many people don't want to exert no energy. They'd rather just complain. And they watch the goal setters and they say things like, must be nice. Oh, you going to Hawaii? Oh, hmm. must be nice. I didn't know you had it like that. No, I set a goal. I set a goal and I believe God and I wrote on my offering. God, this seed right here is for something I'm believing for. Somebody might need a car. Well, you know, be nice to have another car. Believe for it. Sow for it. Ask for it. The Bible says something very profound. You have not because you ask not. That's, 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 that's crazy. But see, people without goals, they settle. What I'm praying is this, these messages make you so uncomfortable that you just get a goal just because you want to shut me up. You want to get a goal just so you can come in here and be like, okay, I got a goal there. You happy, Pastor? Dang, move on to something else. Because a goal will propel you towards something. And that's what being a Christian is about. Being a Christian is about possessing the promises that Jesus died to give you. He died to give you not only eternal life in heaven someday, he died to give you, according to John chapter 10, 10, a better life than you could ever dream of. I want a church full of people that want better lives than they could ever dream of. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you getting off a PlayStation. Come on, somebody. Not all the time. Not all the time. Come on. Amen. But them, them eight-hour sessions, getting real quiet up in this church. <laughs> them six-hour sessions with you and your friends with the headset on. Oh, yeah, get the, get the guy on the left. Get the guy on the left. <laughs> Those sessions, it might cost you that. It might cost you some things to get there. Amen? Are you with me? So look at Matthew 19, 25 through 26. It says... Talking about Jesus, when the disciples heard it, they were astonished, saying, who then can be saved? Now, let me stop right there. Let me give you some background. Jesus is preaching here, and he's saying nobody can enter into the kingdom of heaven, uh, you know, without giving up everything and doing these things. And the, uh, the disciples were like, well, man, how are we going to get in there? And look at Jesus's answer. He says, but Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men... This is impossible. Oh, here it is. But with God, all things are possible. You need to highlight that, make an appointment with your tattoo artist and go get that put somewhere in an appropriate place. Come on, somebody. And put that on you as a declaration that all things in God are possible. But pastor, I have a felony. All things in God are possible. But pastor, we filed bankruptcy not too long ago. All things in God are possible. Pastor, I've been trying to lose weight. All things in God are possible. Pastor, I, I, 
Pastor, I just, I, I need a girlfriend. It's been too long, Lord. All things in God are possible. And my man Eddie giving me props up there. Yes, Pastor. He saw the breakthrough. Hallelujah. You just want to run around. The, amen. There he goes. Because I saw this man wait on his promise. I saw it. See, you've got to be able to have a mindset that no, what, no matter what you're facing, nothing's impossible. If we can get a church full of people that just believe that, what could we accomplish? As I shared with you last week, we've already accomplished what they said we couldn't accomplish. We've already, we've already done more with the portion that God has given us than many before us have. But it's only the beginning. It's only the beginning of what a group of people that believe that all things are possible can accomplish. If we can wrap our brains around Jesus's words that with man, it's impossible for you to get a house. But with God, all things are possible. With man, the limits that are in your life can lock you into something. But with God, nothing is impossible. Before I go any further, I want you to take a moment right now. And I want you to write three areas in your life or three things you need God to do for you this year. Write it down. Take a moment. Put it in your phone right there so you can see it. See, it's important that we see things. It's important. The Bible says write down the vision, make it plain so that those who read it can run with it. There's something about writing and seeing that causes vision to work. So what I want you to do as we're hearing this today, I want you to have something in mind. What are three things you need God to do for you? Maybe you need to overcome some curses that have been in your bloodline for generations. Maybe you need to defeat addiction once and for all so you don't keep going back. You don't keep running to that past. You don't keep running to those things. Whatever it might be, you got to write it down right now and say, okay, God, everything he's going to be preaching on, I'm applying to these three areas. But you got to write it down. So whatever it is that you're believing God to do, approach it now. What you see on that page or on your phone or whatever it is from the aspect of nothing is impossible. And I want you to take that list every day into your prayer closet. And speak to it with the same authority that Adam spoke to the animals, the same authority that your big brother Jesus spoke to the storm, and begin to speak to those three areas and say, it's changing, nothing's impossible. It might be your marriage. It might be your issues that you deal with, insecurities. It might be issues of, of, of rejection that are in your life. It might be generational traits and things that you don't want to be like your dad. You don't want to be like your mom. You don't want to repeat the same mistakes. Write that down and speak and declare just like Jesus did and watch what happens. Because after all, we know that faith is believing and speaking. Can we say that together? Say faith is believing and speaking. That's what faith is. You're only in faith with what you're speaking about. So understand this. If faith is believing and speaking, what you're believing and speaking tells us what you have faith for. 
I've been around some people, they have faith to die. I've been around some people, they have faith for sickness. You want to know how I know? Because they start sneezing a little bit. Oh, I think a cold is coming on. Faith is believing and speaking. You know what I do when I start getting sniffles? I start saying, Lord, I rebuke that. I reject that. And I'm whole. By your stripes, I'm healed. Give me some emergency. That's a Spanish drink right there. Emergency. Listen, my kids will tell you because they tease me all the time when, when I start getting sniffles or something. I tell them all the time. I, I, I do the LeVar Ball. I never get sick. <laughs> never lost. I tell my kids all the time, I don't get sick. I don't get sick. And they roll their eyes at me. Whatever, Dad. <laughs> but I do that. I declare that because why? Faith is believing and speaking. What are you believing and speaking? I'll never get married. That's what you have faith for. I'll never find a job. That's what you have faith for. What are, when you start speaking the right things, that's a demonstration of what you're believing for. Amen? Amen. So let's keep going. So we got to attack it from the mindset that nothing is impossible. See, this is what your family in the word, in the spirit has been doing for years. Now, here's what I want to, you got to make a distinction now. I know you think that you're Mexican. I know you think you're El Salvadorian. I know you think you're Hmong. I know you think you're Vietnamese. I know you think you're Chinese. I know you think you're Samoan. I know you help me somebody. I know you think you're shouted out American. I almost forgot American. I know you think you're Trinidadian, bro. <laughs> but when you're born again, you become part of a new nation. The red, no, 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 sorry, I got, I got mixed up. I was going to say Raider Nation. <laughs> sorry, I got, whew, I, sorry, sorry, wow. I know, I know, I don't want to lose you. But you become part of a new nation. <laughs> the kingdom of God. Where there is no Raider or Niner. There is no black or white. There is no Asian or African or anything like that. We're all under the banner of Jesus Christ. And his banner over me is love. And all the Sunday school kids who remember that song. That's who we are now. So there are traits about the kingdom that you've got to understand. The Bible says now we're part of the family of God. And instead of trying to fight and resist the temptation to be like your deal, your tia, your mom, your dad, whatever it is, and you're trying to be the first in your family to go to college, and you're, it's, it's a struggle, Pastor, because I feel all alone. you got to start reading about the history of the family of God. You didn't know this, but you got a primo. you got a cousin named Joshua. And Joshua took a promised land. He invaded Jericho. And Jericho was the equivalent of a New York City. The Bible says at the time it was a walled city that was impenetrable. You couldn't get through it. The greatest war technology could not pierce those walls. And Joshua knew, I got a promised land to possess. If I'm going to possess that promised land, I've got to believe that with God, nothing is impossible. 
And when you crack open that word and you read the book of Joshua and you see them blowing horns, you see them uh, shouting around the walls of Jericho and them walls uh, archaeologists have found. They found the ruins of the walls of Jericho. And the crazy thing about the walls of Jericho, it's not like it did in the movies. You know, you see it in uh, movies or, or in paintings and things where the walls were tumbling down. Archaeologists found the walls all in one piece. And, the bio, and, and what archaeologists have found is when it says the walls came down, literally the walls went into the ground. As if the hand of God went before Joshua's army and said, y'all ready? Pushing the walls down. The army went straight in to Jericho and conquered it and took the spoils. How did that happen? So we all want that moment. We all want to take our city. We all want to take our Joshua moment. But it doesn't start until you get a Joshua mindset. And that is that nothing is impossible. You see, before Joshua was able to do that, there was a generation of people, they could not wrap their minds around it. So you know what they did? They complained, they murmured, they said, we need a new pastor, Moses ain't cutting it, let's get our own religion, let's go to another church. And they built their own church in the corner called Baal Worship Center, where they got all their money together and made a golden calf. They couldn't wrap their brains around the goodness of God and the impossibility of God. So you know what they did? They gave up on God. And what I've just described is so many Christians that give up on God every week because they can't wrap their brain around the impossibility. Now, sometimes the reason that happens is because in our churches, we're not preaching strong enough. We're not declaring strong enough. We're not, we're not putting the DNA of the word in people's lives so we could think different. That's my assignment. I want to get this so deep in you that every time you think other words, the word will correct you. Uh-uh, snap out of that. All things are impossible. Come on, you can change. Your finances could get better. You can own a house. You can lose the weight. Come on, somebody. Talking to myself today. Now, listen. Joshua's a fan the family. His story's written there so that you and I could take on his traits. So you and I could have that same thing to take on our walled city. Maybe your walled city is bad credit. Maybe your, your walled city is, is, is needing a, a, wanting to start a business. Whatever it might be, nothing is impossible. We also had a cousin named David in the family of God. David, one day, saw all his buddies in the neighborhood. They were getting bullied. Come on, somebody. And all the homies were scared of this bully in the neighborhood. And David comes in, hey, fool, what's, this, what's going on? Who's this fool right here? That's Goliath, Dave. And you better shut up because he's going to come and get you. And David says, no, you shut up. We're God's people. I don't care how big he is, we are not going to let him bully and boss around the people of God. And so we know the story. David had a mindset that with God, nothing is impossible. Even a little shepherd boy beating a soldier that some say stood eight feet tall, he defeats him with a slingshot. 
The dude had a bow and arrow. He had a spear. He had a shield. And a little boy comes with a meager slingshot and defeats the greatest champion in the land. Let that be said about you and I. That you and I can defeat our enemies if we'll get our eyes off of what we don't have and we get our eyes set on the God of the impossible. What can God do for you? What can God do in your marriage? What can God do in your family? What can God, what curse can God reverse if you just believe that nothing is impossible? Are you with me still? We see another cousin in the family tree by the name of Gideon. And Gideon, is, his, his, his land is getting overruled by the Philistines. They're coming in. And then these jokers were bullies. They were the baddest folks on the planet. This, this army of Philistines, so much so that they would sit back and let Israel plant crops. And when it was harvest time, they'd simply go down and take them all. Take them all. They'd sit back. It's harvest time. Let's go get their harvest. And one day, God begins to uh, speak to a man. He threw an angel to Gideon and said, no, Gideon, it's your time to rise up. But you know what's crazy about this is God doesn't go to the greatest warrior in the land. He goes to a guy from South Sac. He goes to the biggest chicken in the land. He goes to one of the greatest cowards in the land. So much so that when the angel comes to him, the Bible says Gideon is hiding his harvest. And he's hiding so he doesn't get beat down. And the angel comes and he does something that I'm trying to get you to do. He speaks faith. And he says to Gideon, he says, rise up, mighty man of valor. Gideon was far from a mighty man of valor. He didn't have what it took to beat these Philistines. But the angel released faith. Faith. Everybody say faith. Believing and speaking. He spoke into existence something that wasn't there. He tapped into that limitless realm and he spoke faith into Gideon. And all of a sudden, Gideon takes the word of the Lord and he begins to act on it. And the Bible says he gathers the men of Israel together. But God says, you know what? I'm going to teach you. I'm going to teach you a lesson here. He says, send anybody that has fear in their heart home. So Gideon gets up. He says, if you're scared about going into this battle, you don't have to fight it. Gideon thought he'd lose 20 dudes, 30 dudes. Over half the army goes home. More than half of the army, he's left with 400 dudes. How many have seen the movie 300? That's what they're trying to be like right here. So Gideon faces an army of thousands with 400 dudes. And he wins. The Bible says the hand of God comes through and smites the mightiest army in the land. Because Gideon had a mentality that with God, nothing's impossible. Are you tracking with me today? So think of those three things. Look at your list right now. It might seem impossible. It might seem like these things don't happen to people like you. But with God, all things are possible. Somebody needs to resurrect their dream to start a business. Somebody needs to set some lofty goals and sales. Somebody needs to begin to but begin to pray again that your kids will come back to Jesus. Ah, but pastor, they're so far away. With God, all things are possible. But we got to get that mindset. Are you with me still? 
Jesus turns the world upside down with 12 guys. You want to know why? Because he knew all things are possible. God wants to do the same with you, but we got to grasp this mentality. Let me give you a few more scriptures and I'm done. It says here in Mark 19, or Mark 9, 17 through 23, it says this. Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit and wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth. He gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out. But they could not. So he answered him and he says, Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him. And when he saw him immediately, the spirit convulsed in him. And he fell on the ground and he wallowed, foaming at the mouth. And so he asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And often he would throw himself both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But here it is. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus says to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Tell your neighbor all things are possible. See, this is why you can't afford to come play in church. You can't afford to play church because what, the reason we gather around the preached word is because God is trying to anoint and God is trying to renew your mind to give you a all things that are possible mindset so that he can fulfill John 10, 10 in your life, which is he has come to give you an abundant life. But the problem is we don't have enough Christians believing for impossible things. We don't have enough believers that actually will stop and believe his word. And so because of that, the church of Jesus Christ gets locked in to limitation. Now, some of you would be in here and say, oh, but pastor, I believe. Come and help me. I will, oh, pastor, but I'm, I believe. I believe. Your lifestyle tells everybody what you believe. See, some of you don't know you're preachers. All of you are preachers. Your life preaches. Your Facebook posts preach. Your Instagram booty shots preach. See, because when we look at, when somebody looks at your life, they should begin to see what you believe. That's what, that's, what, that's what they should be able to get. See, most of us are content with being churchgoers, but going to church doesn't cause you to believe anything if you don't listen, if you don't apply. Come on, somebody. Hear the word, speak the word, do it on purpose. So I remember when I got saved, man, I got saved and I had some addiction problems. I was dating a, a young lady at the time and it, it wasn't a godly relationship at all. I was a teenager and I was doing things in that relationship that you should only married people should do. Come on, somebody. We got little ones in here. 
Oh, but Pastor, you was talking about booties earlier. Why, why are you trying to clean? I know, I know. But track with me. And so I had a decision I needed to make because I got saved at the altar. God radically touched my life. But then a week, two weeks later, I was still doing things I shouldn't have been doing. But there was a difference this time. When I would do it, I would feel disgusted with myself. I'd feel condemned and not, not condemned, but just convicted in my heart like this ain't right. And I had a decision to make. My decision was this. Am I going to live out my convictions in my faith or am I going to be mediocre and powerless? Believing and speaking is a different thing than grace. Just because my wife forgives me for hurting her doesn't mean I keep hurting her. Ah, she forgives me. Cool. We get in an argument and I tell her, shut up. Some of you looking at me like, you won't tell Pastor Tina to shut up. But if I did, and she says, I forgive you, I don't go, cool. Five minutes later, I said shut up earlier. The next day, shut up. The next day, shut up. But yet that is what Christianity under the banner of grace sometimes looks like. It's not a license to keep going the same direction it's opportunity to repent and I remember at 19 years old I had to make that decision am I going to keep on hurting the Lord am I going to keep on disappointing my God even though he loves me and forgives me or am I going to live out this thing I say I believe I made the hardest decision I ever had to make I ended that relationship and eight years I stayed single to live out my conviction. And that was the greatest breakthrough in my life, even to this day. Because at that opportunity, everything changed. There's some of you in this room today, you need to make some hard decisions and quit playing games. Quit kidding yourself. That just because God forgives you, you should keep on doing it. Just because God forgives you that it's all good. No, listen, he said, put that last scripture on there again. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. I believe, Pastor, your lifestyle doesn't show it. You can tell someone's beliefs by how they live their life. Some of those folks up here that we prayed for, or all of those folks we prayed for in school of leaders, I could look at their lives and I could say they believe because they've done some hard things. They've made some hard choices. They've, they've separated themselves from things that would hinder or say they believe otherwise. When we continue to live in sin, you know what that shows? We don't believe God. When we don't give offerings and tithes, you know what that shows? We don't believe his word. We believe that if I give that, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be out. We need to wrap our brains around the understanding that nothing is impossible for those that believe. Stand on your feet today. This morning, you need to make a decision to believe his word. Believe his word. What are you doing that is contrary to his word? 
you're blocking your own blessing. You're sabotaging your own blessing by hanging on to that little pet sin that you think, well, God forgives me, God understands, and he does forgive you, and he does understand, but you can't go any further until you reflect what you believe. We should be able to tell, not by what you say, not by your Facebook posts, but by how you live your life, that you're a believer. By what is the fruit of your life? What, how do you live your life? Christians shouldn't be having sex outside of marriage. We shouldn't be. Why? Well, why? Because God's word says we shouldn't. And I believe God's word. And when I believe God's word, keep it up there for a moment. When I believe God's word, all things are possible to him who believes. See, you think it don't matter. I beg to differ. It matters. If we could get you to believe what could happen in your life, if we could get you to step out of mediocrity and make some choices, that person you're sleeping with is not your husband. But God understands. But what would happen if you would say, God, I'm going to stop this because I believe if I obey your word, nothing is impossible. And I got some situations that I need you to move in. What would happen? I'll tell you what happened. The impossible would flood into your life. You'd stop living so sloppily. You don't need to be in the club. You don't need that life anymore. Let your life now begin to reflect what you believe. Bow your heads for a moment. There's some of us in here today, we need to make some decisions to let some things go. Listen, the tougher the decision, the greater the blessing. The harder it is to make, the greater the blessing. In my world at 19 years old, that was the toughest thing that I could do was make that decision. And I made it. And the blessing flooded into my life. Within two years of that decision, I was pastoring my own church. Something that will take 10, 15 years for a lot of others. But I chose to be a believer. And as a believer, God began to release the impossible. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're in here right now. You don't need to be ashamed. But God is calling you to the altar of your heart. What is it that is in your life that's demonstrating, that's showing you you don't believe God? I hear the Spirit of God here today saying, Son, daughter, obey my word. Believe my word and I'll release the impossible into your life. Hey everybody, Pastor Sergio here. We just want to thank you for tuning in to our podcast. Make sure you check us out next week as we continue this series.